Hey guys, it's Hans Hess. Thanks for joining me for my podcast. We've been dealing with the subject of counterculture now. Uh, this is the fifth uh, installment of this, and this is going to be the final piece I do on this. And today I want to talk about a very interesting uh, topic, and that is the topic of wealth and poverty in Scripture, and uh, preach a sermon on this just called Money Talks. So let's jump right into it, beginning with uh, the book of Genesis. All of these uh, all of these uh, of this series I've begun with the book of Genesis, so I'm going to do that again. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. What's interesting about this passage here is that this was before the fall. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, and he commanded them to work before the fall. Because we often think, well, hey, work is just a product of the fall. Work is, you know, uh, uh, something that we, we weren't really intended to do from the beginning. But that's not true. God intended all men to work from the beginning. Gr- granted, there was a curse upon how he was going to get food. And God said, you'll uh, labor by the sweat of your brow to get food. But before that, he was even commanded to work and to tend the garden, this paradise of abundance, basically, that God placed him in. So I just want to look at several commands in Scripture, I think, that deal with biblical wealth and uh, what we're to do with money uh, according to Scripture. First of all, there's a great quote by Tim Keller on uh, a biblical perspective of work. Keller says, farming takes the physical material of soil and seed and produces food. Music takes the physics of sound and rearranges it into something beautiful and thrilling that brings meaning to life. When we take fabric and make a piece of clothing, when we push a broom and clean up a room, when we use technology to harness the forces of electricity, when we uh, take uninformed, naive human minds and teach them a subject, when we teach a couple how to resolve their relational disputes, and when we take simple materials and turn them into a poignant work of art, we are continuing God's work of forming, filling, and subduing, and we are following God's pattern of creative cultural development. So all forms of work are vital to human life and uh, to the whole process, the, the whole cosmos that God has given us. So Uh, I think God wants us to work. God wants us to make money. Um, In fact, I don't think there's a limit on how much money God says you can make. If you can be a millionaire, be one. So be it. And uh, we actually need to stop judging people based on what they earned. God placed man in the garden in a paradise of abundance, and he told them, hey, Uh, This garden has everything you guys will need. Basically, go for it. It's in your care. You you are the Lord's over it, so to speak. So the issue is not how much a person earns, but uh, what they do with what they earn is an issue in Scripture. Notice 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. The Bible says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is uh, truly life. So he says, I I don't think there's a... uh, restriction on how much you are to make, but he just says those who are wealthy in this world, don't be arrogant. 
Don't put your hope in that wealth, but do good. Be generous and be willing to share. Why? Because we are blessed to be a blessing. And if you look at the world in comparison to America and Western countries in general, that the West has way more money than the rest of the world. Our society has been blessed, and it's been blessed because of our forefathers who had Christian values and at least had a Christian worldview and understood that man should be free to work, to go to school, to form businesses, to dream, to invent. And because of these things, the Western world has become very wealthy. Um, this is why I'm not a socialist. I don't think that's God's plan. I mean, uh, sure, we're to have a safety net, take care of people who aren't able to take care of themselves or work themselves. That is, that is, that is biblical compassion. But I think sometimes we mix compassion with... Um, you know, and, and use it to judge people who have made great progress in life or made uh, great money. I just, you know, I think that a free market society and a capitalist society, though it's not perfect, it still yet gives man the freedom to do what God's created him to do, form business, generate great ideas, dream great dreams, become artists, become artisans, uh, all this kind of stuff. However, though we are encouraged to work in Scripture and we're created to work, we know as Christians we're not saved by works, but we're saved by God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, that uh, it's because of His great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. He goes on and says, that's not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul also says in Colossians chapter 3 that whatever we do, we should work at it with all of our heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So whatever we do, we're to put our whole heart in, we're to give it our best. Philippians 2.14, Paul said, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. So as Christian believers, we're to put all of our heart into our work. We're to be creative. We're to do our best. We're to be ethical on the job. And uh, this is what God has created us to do. However, in the biblical sense of, of wealth and our responsibility, I want to challenge you today to think about this. What do we do with what God gives us? Uh, David Platt, in his book, Counterculture, says it like this, we should live simply. He was challenged this way in pastoring his church in Birmingham, Alabama, that uh, just to live simply and to really scale down his life so he could give more away. Well, the Bible does say that those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of, get, uh, kingdom of God? Though later he did say that nothing is impossible with God, but he knew that there was certain temptations that the wealthy would encounter. There were just, there were just snares that would present themselves. So he's cautioning us here against this. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So what am I getting at here? Well, if we really consider 
what we're doing in life with our wealth. And we really consider how we should live. And we ask the Lord that we, I think we should realize that we're placed on this earth to be a blessing to other people, that we're blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed just to consume it all upon ourselves, though there's absolutely nothing wrong with having nice things, having nice homes and nice cars and stuff like that. That's a, that's a blessing. But if we all just, um, pour it on ourselves and don't help others, then we're really missing the mark here. And that's the next point. God wants us to give, and He wants us to give even sacrificially. I was thinking of this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where Paul was really uh, talking about giving to the Corinthians, and he was praising the churches in Macedonia because they had given, he says, out of their severe trial, and their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, Paul said. For he said, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They even urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. What was happening here was Paul was receiving an offering for the poor churches in Judea. And uh, the Macedonians, uh, particularly the, the Philippians, they wanted to share so much in that they urgently pleaded with Paul to be able to share offerings that he could take back to the Judean churches that had suffered famine. And uh, even at one point in the book of Philippians, he thanked them for helping him when he was in a difficult place. And because of that, he gave that beautiful pa passage of Scripture in Philippians 4, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. And we love to quote that passage, and I think we can quote that verse and claim it over our lives. However, we must not forget the context from which it comes, and that is a context out of people who gave sacrificially to the work of the Lord. So how do we give? Well, the Bible breaks it down in uh, several ways. I don't want to deal with three here uh, as we close this podcast out. The first is we're taught that a person should take care of their own family. Paul said anyone who does not provide for their own relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we should take care of our family. We shouldn't depend on just the church or the government or social organizations to take care of them if we are ably uh, gifted and we, ha we have the strength to do so, we should take care of our family. Secondly, we should care for our neighbors. Jesus gave the beautiful parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, and he asked at the end, who was this man's neighbor? And obviously, if you read the story, it's the man who took care of the man who was beaten and left for dead. It was the Good Samaritan. So those who are in need uh, are our neighbors, not necessarily those who live uh, in close physical proximity to us, but those who are in need. And finally, we should help impoverished Christians in other countries. Uh, we really should think of our Christian brothers overseas as our Christian brothers. Often we let distance somehow cloud our view of them. But just because they're geographically separated by thousands of miles doesn't mean they're no longer our brother or sister. If there are impoverished churches in India, impoverished churches in the islands of the sea, impoverished churches in Africa or other places in the world, we can't help everyone, obviously, as a local church or as a local believer, but we can focus some of our resources into helping those who are impoverished around the world 
always making sure that we're promoting the gospel because really God gives us the power to get wealth. Why don't we use that wealth to promote the gospel around the world? All right? I hope this has been a blessing to you, and I hope this has given you some stuff to ponder. So may the Lord bless you and keep you today. Thanks. Thanks.